0: Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Hey, everybody. It is good to be with you. Um, last week, we kicked off a brand new series. Um, and just just as a way of mentioning that Jason and Evan like, it last week so I just want to encourage you if you didn't listen to last week's sermon to listen to it uh, really good stuff and really really kind of the gist of what they talked about is where we find our allegiance where we put our allegiance um, and and, and they, they came to the conclusion that we put our allegiance into the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and really just as a little disclaimer, I'm not going to be giving so much of a sermon, as I am going to be telling you the story of the Kingdom of God. A number of years ago, um, I was working at Starbucks, and and when you're working at Starbucks, especially the one I worked at, it was really slow, so you end up having a lot of conversations about God and about politics and about just about everything— um, and I remember sitting with one of my coworkers. we were really dead that night, and he, he asked me this question that he said, what, if you had to say what the Bible is all about, like what is the Bible, what would you say? And I remember immediately thinking like, stuff like, oh, it's God's rule book, or it's God's way to live life, and and I, I gave him some, I don't even remember what I said, but but I remember thinking that uh, later on, like, I don't I don't know if I can answer that question. And I began to study and to to learn and to research. And and if someone was to ask me that question today, um, my answer would be much different than what I said uh, last time. And what I would say is the the Bible is the story of the kingdom of God. The the kingdom of God is the thread throughout all of scripture. And it's, it's the story of the kingdom of God. And and before we go any further, um, I just want to take a moment and and define what I mean by kingdom of God. Um, Because I know I I can mention the kingdom of God and maybe some of you are thinking about heaven and some of you are thinking of Israel and some of you are thinking the church. and some I mean, all these different thoughts. but, But whenever I say the kingdom of God, I want you to think of the rule and the reign of God. Wherever God's good purposes are taking place, that is the kingdom of God, where, where his rule and his reign take place. So it's the kingdom of God is not defined by borders. It's not a time. It's not heaven. It's not somewhere else. But it's the good rule and reign of God. And it's the thread throughout the Bible. And, and, and it's even the center of Jesus's ministry. If we look at Jesus, it tells us in the Bible that he went and preached the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. and the gospel is one of those churchy words that means good news. He went around t- talking about the good news of the kingdom. So what is the good news of the kingdom? What's the good news of the rule and reign of God? And to, to define that, to understand where where Jason and Evan talked about, where we put our allegiance, to understand what the good news of the kingdom is, we have to start all the way at the beginning. All the way at the, the, the beginning, beginning in Genesis. And, and we're going to be looking at Genesis through Revelation. So... Um, buckle in. We're going to go for about four or five hours. No, we're going to do it in about 20 minutes. So um, the, the, the the story of the Bible, the story of the kingdom, starting all the way back at Genesis, um, will hopefully help us to understand how seeing things through a kingdom perspective, through the story of the kingdom, might help us with some of the, the issues of the day. So before we jump in, let's just pray. Invite the presence of the Lord. So Holy Spirit, would you come? We invite your kingdom to come, just like you, you told us um, in your word to say, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, kingdom come in, in this room, and in every room where people are watching this. Amen. All right, so in the beginning the the bible starts with those words in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth god created everything and we're not going to you know dive into all that stuff but but the the most cherished thing he created his favorite thing that he created was humans god really likes people he does and sometimes i wonder why he likes us so much but he loves us he really does and that was the the his favorite thing. It was everything else. He said this was good. When, I, when he made humans, he said this is really good. And he created us on purpose, for a purpose. And right at the beginning when he made us, he said something really significant about why he made us. And I want to read this in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. If you have a Bible, you can follow along, but, but I'll read it. You can trust me. (laughs) It says, so God created mankind in his own image. And we'll get into that statement in a couple weeks, but it says God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so we'll get, he goes on more and more to to the author to talk about, uh, you know, the purposes in which we were made and what we were called to do. But a couple things I just want to point out to you, maybe that you missed it, is that this has a purpose in which we were made, right? It says to be fruitful and to multiply, to increase in number, to fill the earth, to subdue it. And it says to rule over all the animals and over all the earth. It says to rule, maybe your translation says to have dominion. And literally what it means is God is saying, hey, I made this earth for you, for you to take care of, for you to enjoy. I want you to rule with me. I want you to, to take care of it, to, to subdue it, to, 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 to have dominion over everything on earth, to protect it, to help it thrive, to, to do all those things, to enjoy it. Symbolically, what God is saying is, here are the keys to the kingdom. Here are the keys. Don't do anything I wouldn't do or something like that. Have fun. Don't have too much fun. Um, but he's saying, "Enjoy it. Here are the keys. You 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 guys are in charge." And it was really good. We know the story; like nothing bad happened, right? We just did a great job looking after the earth, and 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 God came back and was like, "Whoa, great job!" No, that's not what happened. What happened? Like like a minute later, I don't know how long, but like half a page later in your Bible, we see what happened in Genesis three. And and actually, I don't want to make light of it because it's a it's, it's, it's the worst thing that happened on the history of earth, the fall of man, where we rebelled against God, we, we turned our back on him, and, and in that moment, sin and death and evil and just all the atrocities in the world just flooded into this earth, where we turned our back on God and, and we turned towards another kingdom the kingdom of Satan. And we, we, you know, Satan came as a serpent and, and we bought into his lies. And humanity turned away from God and turned towards Satan. And, and essentially what we did is that those symbolic keys that God gave us, we handed them over to the enemy. We handed them over to Satan and said, you, you be in charge. 2 Corinthians uh, refers to Satan, the God of this current age. It, it like kind of helps reinforce that God, Satan is in charge right now. We all see in John chapter 12, it call, refers to him as the prince or the ruler of this time. And, 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 and in theological circles, the fall, like really smart Bible people, they refer to the fall in Genesis 3 as the great forfeiture that something was forfeited, and really a lot of things were forfeited, but, but primarily the thing that we forfeited, the thing that we gave over, is the rule and reign of the, 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 the role to, to, to subdue the earth, to have dominion over it. We Again, we handed the keys over to Satan. We forfeited the keys, our role, our God-appointed role, over to Satan we entered into this present evil age, which the Bible refers to, that we're living in this present evil age. And something happened in that moment, in the darkest moment of all human history, something happened that I think is the most, one of the most beautiful places in scripture. I'm going to be talking about a few of my favorite things in Scripture, and this is one of them. But God comes, and he says a lot of things that I, I can't really get into, but he basically says, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to reestablish my kingdom. And and, and one of the things he says is he looks at Satan, and he says, an offspring of, of these people, of Adam and Eve, it, I'm going to send, and he's going to reclaim the throne. And it says that, that you, Satan... You may may strike his heel, you may bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And so all throughout the Old Testament, there is this longing, this desire, this groaning for that that mis, that, that one to come, this, the 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 one who will crush the head of the snake, who will reestablish the kingdom, and the the entire Old Testament is about. The longing for the kingdom, the, the kingdom that's going to come. And so we see that in the picture of Israel. Some people think Israel is the kingdom of God, but it's not. It's just a picture. It's just a reflection of the kingdom of God. And Israel missed the mark big time because, because God called Israel, spoke to Israel numerous times and said, you are to be a blessing to all the nations. You are called to bless all the nations because God created all the nations. They were his idea. He loves the difference in people. He loves all of the the races and ethnicities and and the different things that make us unique. He, He made us different and unique. Because so I, I think he likes to show off his creativity to express uh, these differences in us. And, and he called Israel that you are to be a blessing to all of these other nations. And, and they didn't because they were, they were full of nationalism and, and racism and, and xenophobia and all of these different things. But they, they hoarded God. They hoarded his blessing to themselves. And God would 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 pass judgment over Israel and and and, and send them into captivity or into exile. And we see it over and over again, whether it be uh, under you know uh, Egyptian captivity or or to the Babylonians or to the Greeks or to the Romans, and then into exile into all these lands. And and prophets would spring up because Israel had it hard, and and they they would they would. But they would come back and hope for God, we are, we are in this captivity, but, but we need you. We want your kingdom. And these prophets would come and speak of that future kingdom that was coming. And they would remind people of the promise that God gave in the garden of the one who was going to come and crush the head of the serpent. That would be their deliverer. And oftentimes Israel didn't get it, but, but these prophets would come. Like Jeremiah and and Daniel and and Isaiah and Micah and numerous others. They would say someone is coming. A king is coming. The anointed one. They called him the Messiah, which the Messiah literally means the, the chosen one or the anointed one. It's the same word. The Greek word Christ means the Messiah that he would come and deliver them. And they would hope, oh, he's going to deliver us from Rome or Egypt or, or Babylon or, 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 or some of these other countries. But the prophets say, no, he's coming to deliver you from so much more, from so much more. And, 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 and this king is going to be amazing. And this king is not just for Israel, but he's for the entire, he's for the Egyptians. He's for all nations, and he's going to call all these people to him that he's way bigger than your you know ethnic point of view that he's for all people cuz he lo- he made all people and he's calling all people to him and he's going to he's going to going to be just and kind and merciful and he won't be like any other earthly king for for so many reasons he's not going to be like an any earthly king because he's going to reign forever he's going to sit on the throne forever these are all prophecies that you can read in fact there are four over 400 prophecies in the old testament about the uh, the, the the coming messiah and they would say all these beautiful things about where he would be from and what he would do. But they would say he's going to rule on the throne for, forever and he's going to be a great man. But not only will it be, he be a man, but he will be divine. He will be of God. And so the prophets would come and prophesy about this king and this chosen one, this Messiah. And the people would cry out for it and the longing would grow. And was that tension of when will the kingdom come? When will our deliverer come, the, the one who will crush the head of the snake? And fake messiahs would come, these false messiahs that would come and, and, and they would be you know, political leaders or military leaders and people would say, that's the messiah. And some would say, I am the messiah. And they would come and they would go. And then all of a sudden, this radical crazy guy comes around and he's he's crazy. He's he's come comes out of the wilderness and he's he's baptizing people. His name is John and and he's saying his central part of his message is the kingdom of God is coming. Get ready. It's like right around the corner. Get ready. And people would be like, Are you the king? Are you the Messiah? And he'd be like, No, I'm not, but he's coming. In fact, he's so wonderful, I'm not even fit to like tie the laces on his sandals. It's coming, though. Get ready. And so people began to get excited for for this this coming king. The coming Messiah. And then somewhere about 2,000 years ago in in a podunk town called Bethlehem, where no one would expect a king to come from. In the middle of nowhere, um, born in a manger, was a was a baby a baby who was born of, of man and of God who was the fulfilling of all the, those 400 plus prophecies his name was Jesus and he was wonderful and he is the king and he came and what was central to what he was talking about was the kingdom of God is here guys the longing that we felt it, we don't have to long for it Anymore, because I have come to 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 introduce my kingdom. And you would say the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is near, and um, and so that was the central point of what he talked about. And and really, what I want to do really quickly before we move on to to what happens in Revelation is just take. There's three things that were central to what Jesus talked about in the gospel of the kingdom. In the good news of the kingdom, there's these three aspects and I want to I want to talk about each one of them. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and it's it's a re, it's a great verse. It's one of my life verses, but it says that this is what Jesus came to do, that God is reconciling the world um, to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. So that's good news. That's the gospel that, that Jesus is no longer, uh, or God is no longer counting people's sins against them. That's the good news of the kingdom, that our sins aren't separating us from God anymore. And I would say most Christians have a decent understanding of that, right? Right? that, That Jesus came for the forgiveness of our sins. And we say, that's the gospel. But let me just tell you this, that it's part of the gospel. It's part of the good news of the kingdom. It's not the full picture. The gospel's not just about heaven, but it's about right now, and it's about everything. The other thing I want to highlight is, this was before Jesus started his ministry he stood up in front of the temple and basically said, this is what I came to do. It's, it's it's like a key verse if you are a vineyard person. It's Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the pit prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is saying the good news of the kingdom is about these practical things as well. A lot of people try to say that this is just spiritual, and this is all symbolic, and, and it, it can be symbolic. But I believe, and I think Jesus demonstrated by the way he ministered to people, that he cared about actual issues that people are facing that jesus came for the oppressed it says that he 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 proclaimed the good news to the poor and proclaimed freedom for the prisoners and to set the oppressed free he loves the oppressed he would heal the sick he would give food to the hungry he would he would take the outcast and say you belong now Part of the gospel message is saying the excluded are now included. And that part of the gospel is, is that the, 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 the oppressed, the marginalized, the sick, the needy, the hungry, that they can find hope in Jesus. And that is the gospel message just as much as, you know, forgiveness of our sins. It is. The third thing we see in the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God, is Ephesians chapter 2, 14. It says, Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The gospel, guys, is not just about us and God, it's about each other. It says that Jesus is our peace, that he Made, he destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. In this particular context, they were talking about Jews and Gentiles. But, but in our context, it might be the Republicans and the Democrats. It might be whites and blacks. It might be Americans and immigrants. It might be any kind of thing. But Jesus came to bring us together, to reconcile to destroy barriers that divide us. That is the gospel. All three of those things are the gospel message. And so when we talk about the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, we have to talk about all those things. And this is what Jesus went around doing, preaching about these things, demonstrating these things, including the excluded, healing the the sick, and bringing people together. And we all know what ultimately happened in Jesus' life. We killed him for it. Because people don't like when you when you disrupt their their normal way of living. And so he was, he was killed, a brutal death. He was crucified on a cross. And Satan was cheering because he said, I got him. I got him. But let me tell you, that was... Satan bruising his heel. That was was Satan getting his heel. But God said, wait, you you got my heel, but I'm going to crush your head. And Jesus, although he died on a cross, rose from the dead victorious over sin and death, proving that the good news of the kingdom is something that we can put our hope in. That it is good news in all of the areas. See, Jesus didn't stay dead. He is alive. And we read the story about how he stuck around and, and, and talked to a bunch of people and then ascended into heaven. And, and when he ascended into heaven before, so he, he said a couple things to us. He said a couple things that I think are, are really, really important. One, he said, I'm going to come back. That that I'm going to fully establish my kingdom because because right now we've introduced the kingdom but we're in these this this present evil age and the, the, the kingdom of God has been introduced and we're in this overlap of kingdoms and he said I've won the war it's finished I've won but I'm going to fully establish my kingdom in my second com- coming but he said for right now I want you to to be ambassadors of that future kingdom the kingdom of God, and, and taking it wherever you go. So what does that look like? It looks like the things that Jesus was doing. We do what Jesus did, what he was about. So we, we tell people about salvation, and we tell people about forgiveness of our sins. But we also, we, we stand up for injustice, and for the oppressed, and for the outsider. And, and we, we work for reconciliation, whether it's from two individuals or if it's for for the groups we call people together and we can read in revelation what what when he comes back and fully establishes his kingdom it says look read revelation 21 this is maybe my favorite piece of scripture it says look God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who's sitting on the throne, the everlasting throne, the king's throne, Jesus says, I am making everything new. the story of the kingdom. That's the story of the kingdom. And, and as believers, as Jesus followers, as Christians, just like Eben and Jason talked about last week, that we are not people of earthly kingdoms. We're not, we're not primarily pledging our allegiance to any other thing except for the kingdom of God. We can, you know, we can be for Lots of things, but primarily the thing that we are saying above all else I am a citizen of the kingdom, I'm a citizen of the king, the kingdom of God. We are on the side of God, which is, which is we're on the side of forgiveness of sins and the side of the oppressed and the hungry and the blind. We are on the side of making all things new. We are on the side of reconciliation. That's the gospel. I often hear people, when, when, whenever I talk about issues of justice and issues like racism and things like that from the pulpit or anything like that, people say, I wish you would just talk about the gospel." And I, and I say back to him, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. If we just if we just make the gospel just about forgiveness of sins, which is beautiful and it, that is part of the gospel, we are missing a huge part of what the good news of the kingdom is. Listen to this: Revelation chapter five. I going to end with this with this thought. Revelation chapter five talks about what it's going to be like how we all come together and it's, it has this this song that we sing and it says you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its sealed seals because you were slain this scene to Jesus because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. He is reestablishing his kingdom. What was lost in the garden, he's reestablishing for us to rule and reign with him. And this tells me a, a couple things. I love that it says because you were slain, that it was a direct cause of his, his, his death on the cross that we could be brought back together, all people being called together because of the cross, that the work of the cross is, is the work of reconciliation and the work of all people being coming, coming together. I love this quote. Billy Graham said that the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. The cross is for all people. It's part of the redemptive work of Calvary, of, of, of the crucifixion of Jesus, not just to forgive our sins, but for people of all tongues, tribes, and nations to come together. That's the work of the kingdom. That's what I, that's what I read there in Revelation five. It's because he was slain, that happens. The second thing I see in Revelation chapter five is is when it talks about all nations, it's actually this word, um, ethnikos. Which is where we get the word um, ethnicity and ethnic and all of those things. It's where we get the word ethnicity. So essentially what it's telling us is that we bring our ethnicity into eternity. My my, my my good friend Kim was talking to me about this, but we bring our ethnicity into our eternity. It's not just something for here on earth, but it, we bring it into heaven. And on the other side of of eternity, we we carry our ethnicity that that God made it, and He likes it. He likes how we're different, and He's calling us to be different together. And so I wanna I wanna challenge us in two things really quickly just really quickly, because I can't just tell a story. I have to preach a little bit. And so I feel like God is is issuing a challenge for us in in, in hearing the story of the kingdom. And two things, if if God is calling us to be people of the oppressed and people of of reconciliation and all these things, I want to challenge us to not let our ethnicity be the only lens that we see things through. That we would be humble enough to realize that maybe we can learn from others. That that maybe I can learn from my my black brothers and sisters. And that, that from their ethnic lens, they understand an aspect of God and an aspect of humanity that maybe I don't. Or my Latin brothers and sisters. Or my Asian brothers and sisters. Or my my rich or my poor or my Republican or my Democrat or my whatever, that there's something from their lens that that I would be humble enough to be a listener and to be a student. And two, the other thing is that we would be, like we talked about last week, our allegiance would be people of the kingdom and we would fight for the things that Jesus would want us to fight for that we would be on the side of the oppressed and of the blind and of the hungry. We would be about setting the prisoners free, feeding the hungry. We'd be about sharing the, the good news of salvation from sin. That we'd be about bringing people together, that we wouldn't be agents of division. We would be ambassadors of reconciliation. And so I just want to end with this quick prayer for you. Lord, would you let us be gospel people? Full gospel. Would you help us to understand how the gospel um, impacts every area of our life? We love you, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen. Bless you guys. I hope to see you soon.